Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of GTF, Gabriel Talks Football. My name is Aldo Gandia, and before we start, I want to say thank you to everyone who has reached out with their condolences and best wishes on the uh, passing of my uh, mother. Uh, We put her to rest yesterday, and uh, it's uh, always tough when you lose someone that you love so much, Uh, but all of the comments and well wishes and condolences that I received really helped with uh, with uh, the difficult time. So appreciate that. And today's my birthday, and I appreciate everybody who's reached out to wish me happy birthday. So with that, let me bring in my good buddy, Greg Gabriel. Greg, how are you, my friend? I, I'm doing good. I didn't know it was your birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you. I'm how old are you, 75? 64. <laughs> I, I feel like 75. Trust me. <laughs> One more year and you're on Medicare oh or Medicaid God. or whatever the hell they call it. Uh, whatever they call it, I welcome it. <laughs> Reduce those medical bills. <laughs> I don't know if it reduces it. Trust me. Oh, really? Well, you would yep. know better than me because you've been on it for a few years now, right? Yeah, six. <laughs> Let's not give away too much information. <laughs> Greg, um, I am really looking forward to this show because a lot has happened over the last few days and I haven't been able to keep on top of stuff. Uh, so, you know, you're going to be doing most of the leading on this stuff. We were supposed to do a show last Friday. Unfortunately, with the developments that happened, we had to postpone it. So let's get caught up on things. How about if uh, we well, start? I'll say one thing first. I had a great weekend. Oh, tell us. Well, I, I got to tell you what happened. So I get up Saturday morning, and I usually get up early, 5.30, 6 o'clock, and I, I got my own little routine, and then uh, uh, I go to the gym, catch a workout or whatever. But when I you know, come out of the room when I'm walking downstairs, I'm still like half asleep. <laughs> so I – and supposedly my – Two of my grandkids, uh, actually, my my wife's grandkids were going to be over here coming Friday night, but they're supposed to get here late. They only live a mile away, but they're going to get here late. And uh, I thought they were going to be sleeping. But when I come out of the room, the one bedroom door was open and I go, "Hmm, wonder why Maya's up this early. Mm -hmm. So I get to the top of the stairs and I look down and there's these two people down in my family room. And I'm like totally in a daze and then I focus in on it. And it's my two daughters. They flew in late Friday night and my one-year-old grandson to surprise me for Labor Day weekend. I had no idea. This has been in the works between my daughters and my wife for two months. Outstanding. Yeah, I had no freaking idea. I was like, I'm just looking at it and I go, what are you doing here? <laughs> oh gosh, that is so great! So, how many, how many grandchildren is it, and how many were there? Only one grandchild was there. The youngest one, Jace, who is okay. sixteen months old, but we got a dozen. 
Wow. A dozen. Well, I got one, so I've I got a long way to go. <laughs> My daughter's got to start. <laughs> As I keep saying, I probably said to you already, grandchildren cost more than real kids. Yeah, <laughs> I'm already saving. <laughs> all right, let's uh, get started with all of the roster developments that happened over the past week. What is your overall feeling on the 53-man roster and the I think it was six new players that Ryan Poles brought in after that initial roster announcement of the 53. You know, that did not surprise me. Mm -hmm. And I'll, I'll tell you why. I had a conversation with, with Ballard, and this goes way back. And, you know, he was telling me he was in Kansas City mm -hmm. for uh, John Dorsey's first year as general manager. Uh, Chris was director of player personnel mm -hmm. and Dorsey signed five or six people off the waiver wire that first year of, of Andy Reed's reign in Kansas city. And Ballard did the same thing in Indianapolis. You know, you really scout the other teams very well. You, you, you think you're pretty up to date with what you have. And if you think there's better out there, you're going to go out and, and get them. Now you could be wrong, obviously, but if you are wrong, you're gonna, um, you know, just cut them loose. It's not like some people are under the misconception that if you claim a guy off waivers, you got to keep him on the active roster for a certain amount of time, and that's not true. You can cut him the day after you claim him if you want. Mm -hmm. It's if you poach a player off a practice squad, you have to keep him on the active roster for three weeks. Mm -hmm. So that's the difference. But uh, I, I like all the claims. You're going to lose me. Well, you won't lose me. I'll lose you because I'm going to go to the uh, roster. Okay. And, you know, I mean, there's a bunch of good names. You can start with a, uh, a rookie corner, Josh Black Blackwell from Duke. Yeah. Who is a sub 4-4 guy, can jump out of the building, uh, played – primarily in the slot for the Eagles and did a pretty good job. So I, we, when you look at the, the play he had during the preseason, now granted, when we see preseason football, we don't see practice. You're just seeing the games, but in the games he played pretty good. Uh, then you get down into the uh, defensive line, and we got Kingsley Jonathan, really interesting guy. Buffalo is loaded at the defensive end department. Mm. And this is a rookie from Syracuse, and he's strong, very explosive, comes off the edge. He had um, – I'm not sure if he had a sack or just a bunch of pressures in the preseason, but I know he hit the court because I looked at, you know, all the preseason games, and he got a number of pressures and, and hits on the quarterback. Interesting guy. I think he plays the – the run a little better because he's a little bit more stout at the point of attack than uh, Dominique Robinson is right now. But this kid's got some upside, plays really, really hard. He runs pretty good. Hmm. Good. And uh, the receiver, I didn't know that much about, Smith Marset from uh, the Vikings. So I went back and – you know, looked at the Minnesota tape from the preseason, a little bit from last year. Uh, not a big guy in that he's got kind of a narrow frame. He's 6'1", 185 pounds. 
but he can run and he can jump. Uh, he had some catches at, at Iowa a year ago that were just outrageous catches, one-handed catches. He does return work, kickoff and punt. Didn't do, uh, I think he just did kickoff in college, but he did punt and kickoff for the Vikings. And he's a pretty good return guy. Now, is he going to be the number one guy? I, I think that depends on the health health of uh, Valus Jones this week. Mm-hmm. But they've got so many darn returners on this team. And I think that, that that's actually kind of interesting because, remember, in some previous years of the returner went down, you were like, uh-oh, who's going to mm-hmm. return kicks? Right. they got about a half a dozen right now. That's great. You know, and, and guys who have done it, done it in the league, done it in college, and, and have had done it fairly successfully. So um, the uh, tight end they picked up from the Jets, and, and this guy was claimed by four teams. So wow. that, tells you, that tells you how uh, uh, interesting he is. Mm-hmm. Hasn't caught a lot of passes in, in his career. Trayvon Wesco, he's from West Virginia. Mm-hmm. He's 6'3", he's about 265, 270. That guy will knock the dog shit out of you as a blocker. <laughs> and, and that's what he is. He is a pure Y. Now, they sometimes line him up, but the Jets did, mm-hmm. in, in a flex situation and had him blocking in the, on the move and did a good job. Mm-hmm. As a receiver, he's a short-range receiver. He's never going to get open deep. You know, he, he doesn't run like that, but he's going to help the run game. Because it's almost like having another tackle in there, uh, even though a, a light one at say two sixty five, two seventy. But he's you know just an excellent, excellent blocker. So I think that's actually you know they they lost O'Shaughnessy to a, a non football illness and had to cut him. And I think when you uh, bring this guy in, you've actually upgraded the position couple of people in the chat room, including uh, CJ and Michael Halitek, want to know, uh, were there any surprise cuts, uh, in your opinion? People that were cut and you said, well, I expected him to stick around. I, I know uh, we had talked about um, the guy you thought was going to be a three-tech. Uh, what's what's his name? Mario Edwards. Uh, yeah, that one was a surprise, but then when you say he never played in the preseason, not one snap. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, the question is, was he somebody that was buying in? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we're we're never going to know the answer to that. Right. But if if that's the case, now there's there's a couple of the guys we got to talk about. Sure. Alex Leatherwood. Yeah. (laughs) Now, this guy was a first round pick a year ago with the Raiders. Totally Mm -hmm. busted. Mm -hmm. Now, you go back and you look. It, it's interesting because a guy who scouted for the Raiders, no longer there, mm-hmm. um, and a person that I've known for probably a good 25 years, he had tweeted out, because Alex Leatherwood was a damn good left tackle at Alabama, and that's where he played, yet the Raiders never put him on the left side. Mm-hmm. played strictly on the right side. Now, mm-hmm. it's it's hard. Some people can do it especially if they have experience playing on both sides. But it, it, it's like a right-handed hitter trying to get off and bat left-handed when he hasn't done it before. Mm-hmm. So, you know, because your your footwork is the opposite of what you've been doing. And and your hand usage is differently because you're punching a little bit differently and uh, et cetera. But if, 
looking at him, he looks like he's totally lost confidence. He never had problem with speed. Mm-hmm. When you go back and you look at uh, 2020 Alabama tape, he never had problem with wide speed. Mm-hmm. He couldn't block wide speed for the Raiders last year. Mm-hmm. It was awful. And now, is it confidence? I think confidence is playing into it. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I'm throwing a dart at the wall. I admit that. If I'm the Bears, now they played him, I guess, the other day in practice. He was at right tackle. But if I'm the Bears, I put him at left guard. Mm-hmm. It's a still, you know, it's the side he's comfortable with. He's got help on the outside. And then, you know, see what happens. It's not like you got to play him right away. You don't. Right. Bring him along. Now, the only thing I thought was negative, and I thought he was going to pass through waivers, and it turned out the Bears were the only team mm-hmm. that put the claim in on him. And obviously, they like the talent. The talent's there. He wouldn't have gone in the first round if if, if the talent wasn't there. Mm-hmm. But because he was a, I think, the 17th pick or something, he's got a totally guaranteed contract. So the Bears... When, when you claim somebody on waivers, you're actually claiming the contract. Mm-hmm. And so they picked up that contract and out, they weren't responsible for the signing bonus. That, that's on the Raiders. But there's $5.9 million left on that contract. This is only a second year. Right. So that this year, next year, and the year after. And if he fails, now it's on the Bears. Where if you would have let him pass through waivers... You would have signed him at a rookie minimum, and that whole thing would have been on the Raiders. So, but you got, you know, you, 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 it's a gamble. You know, you're, you're looking at the situation and say, hey, this is a guy that might be able to help us. We want him, and, and, and the guarantee isn't going to be that bad. So, mm-hmm. um, but there's five, 5.9 million left on the contract over the course of the next three years. None of the signing bonus that got accelerated to the Raiders and the Raiders got hit with, with, with that the day they waived them. So uh, it's strictly the salary that they're responsible for. And then they also have the option of picking up that fifth year option on him. Mm-hmm. Um, I've tweeted a couple of times. I said, you know, I, I, it wouldn't shock me that if they could, they got to basically break this guy down and build him back up again. Right. And, and, and Ryan pretty much said the same thing mm-hmm. in the presser on, on Wednesday, I think it was. And if they're successful doing it, wouldn't shock me to see him at left guard next year. Mm-hmm. But again, that's, you know, that's for the future. Right. I, I, I'm not expecting much out of this year unless, you know, injuries take right. Place. Yeah, so I, I I agree with you, Greg. Given you know that he had such a really he put together a really bad rookie year on tape. I mean, if you look at the tape of him with the Raiders last season, it's pretty scary. You look right. at the tape of him from preseason this year, and it's scary. Yeah. Wow. I, you know, I put up I put on one game, and I think he gave up two or three pressures. Mm-hmm. And right tackle. Now, his run blocking, there's nothing wrong with his run blocking. It's pass protection. Right. 
So he, like Nikhil Harry, who also put uh, put together some really atrocious tape his time with the Patriots, those are really good gambles for guys that you can, as you said so perfectly, build them back up, give them the confidence, coach them. Hopefully we can have some patience with those guys. And uh, who knows, maybe at late the second half of the season they can be uh, good contributors or in the case of Leatherwood, next season it could be his breakout season so hopefully the uh everything works out with uh, alex leatherwood and Nikhil harry who i kind of put in that same same boat of guys who come with some problems but uh uh and we're, we're costly i mean in in harry's case it was a seventh round draft pick not a huge expense of course but you always like to keep those draft picks if possible all right um I want to talk about Lucas Patrick next because he is back. He still has a cast on that thumb, and it's the hand that he snaps the ball with. He uh, today uh, or tomorrow's. Does he have? Does he have a cast on his hand? Does, I haven't I, seen that. I, I know he's got something. Yeah, I don't know if they cast. Yeah, and, I, it's a good point. I'm not sure it's a cast either. Maybe and, someone in the chat can help. You know what they do when, especially for for athletes, you get an injury, you get a, a broken digit or whatever. You know, they go in and they do surgery, and then they they plate it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that uh, helps. That hurries up the healing time, so to speak. So, for a normal human being that, and I broke my thumb, and I, you know, I broke my thumb in a football game, and I played the next week. And I broke my thumb. Where's my thumb? Here it is. I broke it down in here. Mm -hmm. You know, so um, I had a cast on. I still played, but I had a, I was running back. I had to carry the ball with my left hand instead of my right hand. Mm -hmm. uh, but I had that cast on for a good six weeks. Now, with what they're doing now, and that was a long time ago. That was in the 70s. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what they're doing now uh, with these plates, that'll – help with the calcification, help with the healing, um, get them back on, on the field faster. Um, if it was his left hand, there'd be absolutely no problem at all. But if he proves in practice this week that he can snap and get his hand out and punch, he'll probably be playing. If not, he'll be inactive this week, and, and Sam Mustafer will be the center. But, you know, some people say, and, and I think Getsy said this strictly to throw it out there for the 49ers, mm -hmm. not for not for us. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, you know, because somebody said, well, could he play guard? Oh, well, yeah, I, well, yeah, we're going to, we're checking everything out. You know, <laughs> that's coach speak. Yeah. You know, <laughs> he hasn't practiced one day at guard since he's been with this team going back to the OTs. He's been strictly a center. He was a center all last year. Mm -hmm. And and you've had people working at the guard position, all training camp, and you're just starting to get to some cohesiveness. And so you're going to put him in there and screw it all up. That isn't happening. Mm. Wow. By the way, I have, I have to say this. Uh, Luis Perez is uh, checking in from Arecibo, uh, a beautiful town in Puerto Rico. Anybody ever get to Puerto Rico for vacation, make sure you visit Arecibo. Uh, it is uh, g gorgeous, and uh, and as is most of the rest of the island. Um, I uh, Regarding uh, Sam Mustafer at center, uh, he has shown me progress in the preseason. 
Where is your evaluation of him? And if Patrick has to sit out another week or two uh, or is moved over to right guard over Tevin Jenkins, where is your confidence level that Sam Mustafer can play better than he did last season? Oh, I, I think it's an entirely different player. You know, they still, if, if you look on the website, they still got him listed at 332, but I saw on the flip card he was 311. Mm-hmm. I think the 311 is right. Yeah. Uh, the He was too heavy last year, and that wasn't his fault. That's what Juan Castillo, the former offensive line coach, wanted. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought he played pretty damn good in the preseason. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, you listen to the other linemen talk about him, and I know he's he, the fans have, have been shooting him full of holes. Uh, but and and maybe fairly, but at the same time, the guy next to him, Daniels, who's now a Pittsburgh Steeler, got eaten up in the preseason in Pittsburgh. And last I looked, he's not even starting. Hmm. You know, so and they paid him some pretty good money, you know, to sign him. So was it all Mustafer's fault last year? And some of these things we just don't have the answers to. And, you know, there's a lot of things that, you know, you find out after the fact. And the, the biggest one to me is I'm really interested in seeing how Mitch Trubisky plays for Pittsburgh. Hmm. Did they get rid of him and they didn't need to? Yeah. Yeah. And I know your buddy Mike North. He's gonna be. He's listening. Going, yep, yep. <laughs> he's gonna break and, the and, nodding up and down on that one. <laughs> uh, the, you know, the way he was brought around, and you see how how some people were misused, and and, and it has nothing to do with Justin Fields, but did they waste picks because they didn't properly develop? Mm-hmm. a first-round quarterback that just now should be really coming into his own. Mm-hmm. That is the $64 million question. I've upped it up from 64000 to $64 million. Well, um, you know, probably with inflation, you're equal. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so uh, it, it is going to be fascinating. The other thing that I'm fascinated about with the Steelers, to stay on that subject just for a moment, is uh, our, our previous right guard, uh, the kid from Iowa who I'm forgetting. Dan, Dan, that's why I said Daniels. He's not even listed as a starter, I don't think. Oh my goodness, that that is amazing because I he had a tough preseason for them. Yes, and, he did. So, uh, I, and I'd have to go back and look at the depth chart, but I, I know going into the last preseason game, he um, uh, was not starting going mm-hmm. into that game. He had lost his job, uh, and and he had played really poorly for them. They were disappointed, and like I said, they gave him a lot of money. They gave him over, you know, the full length of the contract, well over twenty million dollars. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. nine, nine and a half a year. Yeah. Um, if Tevin Jenkins uh, does not start on Sunday, um, I'm well, con- first of all, although I'm going to say this, I'm going to be shocked if he doesn't start. Yeah. Go back to what I said a couple minutes ago. Yeah. Daniels has not practiced one second at guard, or not Daniels, um, Patrick has not practiced one second at guard with this team. It's really been a few years since he's played guard. He was a center last year. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I just, it doesn't make any sense to me. That's like going back a few weeks to the rumors that Tevin Jenkins was going to get 
traded, yet he's working with the number ones. Mm -hmm. And then Ryan Poles cleared that up in the press conference during the week. He said, I wasn't making any calls. Mm. Now, mm. he can't stop other people from calling. Right, right. You know, and uh, but I think where those rumors came were, are other people giving those to people like um, the rap sheet and, and Adam Scheffler. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I think that Tevin is becoming more and more mentally tough with all that he has had to put up with. But if he does not start at right guard, which is unlikely, I agree with you. Uh, but if he does not start, I hope he still keeps his head together and we don't uh, go to any through any, you know, player moping kind of thing. Uh, he, he doesn't, you know, he just concerns me in terms of his mental makeup and, and having another setback. I would love to see him plug and play him at right guard and, and see what you got there. Well, I know from, from my standpoint, watching him the last two games, mm -hmm. he's earned that job. Mm -hmm. Yeah, There's no question. So mm -hmm. you put him out and play. If you're going to put some, if you're going to, if, if, if somebody says, well, we're going to, we want to start Patrick. Okay. Mm -hmm. Put him at left guard. He's yeah. played left guard, but you know, I think right now the weak link on the line, you know, some people might say Braxton Jones, cause he's a rookie and, and, yeah, you can say that, but the guy with the least upside mm -hmm. now, because he's well into his career, would probably be Cody Whitehair. Mm -hmm. and, and it's not that he plays poorly, he doesn't, but he, he is what he is. We've seen the best of Cody Whitehair, and, and he's not going to get any better than what we've seen. Not, right. that, not that what we've seen is bad. Exactly. That Just saying that you know, he, he's reached the ceiling. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's uh, move on to talk about these wide receivers. Uh, Byron Pringle is back at practice. Um, you know, I'm concerned a little bit about the fact that the three, there are three, only three wide receivers who have had uh, substantial practice time this off season with Justin Fields. Of course, Darnell Mooney, their, their connection and their relationship is super strong. And there's, then there's St. Brown and Pettis. Everybody else on that wide receiver core has had limited practice time with Justin Fields. That's well, one I'll, I'll disagree with you a little bit. Okay. They had the entire off season program. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, and, that, and for all intents and purposes, that's more passing camp than anything else mm -hmm. because you can't have any hitting. Good point. So you had uh, too many camps, nine OTAs. So that's 15 total practices in mm -hmm. the offseason mm -hmm. program. And on, on top of, you know, what they did in training camp from the playbook, uh, from the playbook point of view, I'm not worried at all. Uh, generally speaking, when you're injured and you're not practicing, you are still doing conditioning, whether mm -hmm. it's on the field or inside the training room. Uh, in the case of uh, Pringle, where he had a quad injury, he was probably riding a bike mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. doing stuff in the pool, uh, to, you know, to keep up their cardiovascular. Um, you know, I, you still got to... They, they, they practice Monday. They're off today. They got a full week of practice this week. Somebody is not going to be active, whether it's the new guy 
Smith Marset or it's Pringle. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that remains to be seen. There'll probably be five. They got six on the club. There's six on the club, right? Yeah. Uh, was it six? I got the number here. Wide receivers, where are you? Um, yeah, six indeed. Okay. It, I, I think on a normal week, if everybody's healthy, all six are going to be active. But, okay, this week might be five. Mm -hmm. But um, – and and here here's one thing that people said. Well, they this other guy, how's he going to be up to speed in a week? He can be up to speed. He's probably pretty close to being up to speed now because he played in a very similar offense with very similar terminology. Mm -hmm. So it's not going to take it. It's not like he came from an entirely different system. Mm -hmm. O'Connell system is the Ram system. The Ram system is San Francisco system, which is Green Bay system, which is now Minnesota. You know with Minnesota system, they're all fairly the same thing mm -hmm. as far as terminology. Now you can have some routes being done a different way, but that part's the easy part once you get the terminology done. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, that's encouraging. Um, what can you tell us? I know you spoke a little bit on this new wide receiver acquired from, uh, from Minnesota he, I remember how he torched the Chicago Bears in week uh, 18 last season, that final regular season game. I think he had four receptions for over 100 yards and, and a touchdown. Outside of that, I don't know much about him. Uh, what else can you share about him? Well, I, I, I think he caught less than 10 passes all last year. Mm -hmm. You know, He was down on the depth chart as, as a rookie, but then you go back. Uh, he was Iowa's number one receiver. Mm-hmm. And he also uh, returned kickoffs, and he was a dynamic kickoff returner. He, he timed only four or five at the combine. I guarantee he's a lot faster than that. And, mm. you know, people say, well, he's four or five, so that's what he is. Well, I always go back, and I, I ran track when I was in high school in the first part of college. And how many sprinters do you see seem to run the same speed every race? Yeah, good point. Yes, Great you know point. they. The, some days are good days. Some days are bad days. They run. They can in say a situation like the World Championships where they run like four races mm. in the course of three days, uh, working their way through the preliminaries and the quarters and the semis and all that. I mean, they run four races. There's four separate times there, mm -hmm. and 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 the difference between the best. And the worst could be more than two tenths of a second. Okay, so who's to say? I I look at play speed, and play speed says four four five every day of the week. Mm -hmm. That and now there are metrics where they measure a guy when he's running with the football, and that seems to be much more important than the combine 40, 40 results, in my opinion. Um, well, they have, yeah, they have these chips that the, the, the players are wearing. They can measure their, their speed in miles per hour uh, on the field, how fast they're going at their fastest speed. Um, and, yeah, that that's a, a very valid point. In fact, to tell you the truth, I think the 40 is going to be obsolete in another five years. Well, interesting. They have been talking about uh, – making some changes with the combine that would make sense to me. I hate to see uh, offensive linemen <laughs> run 40 yards. It's like you, they never have to do that. Um, rarely, I should say. 
Um, J2K has a question regarding the wide receivers. He says, well, what's your confidence level that Valus Jones will be a larger part of this offense? He's not so sure that he's ready. Sure, he'll get some plays, but he hasn't shown anything in the preseason outside of uh, running back kicks. Well, you know, I go back to what Darnell Mooney said just yesterday. I can't wait to play football on Sunday. We've only used four plays all preseason. Ooh, interesting. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. and, and and that's probably in the passing game. You know, mm-hmm. it's – they've been practicing every day. The coaches see that. It's being filmed, and I say this every single show. So it, it's not what he necessarily did in the preseason. It's what he's done in practice. Now, is he going to still be – you know, have like a full playbook early on? Probably mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. But the key is, and then go back to when when Cohn was here and, and Cohn was a young player, it's how many touches a game do you want him to have? And it includes returns. So it could be, you know, depends if he ends up being the number one kickoff and punt returner. Mm-hmm. Um, it's returns. It's reverses. And it's receptions. Mm -hmm. So you could say, I want him to touch the ball 10 times in the game Mm -hmm. early on. And he will make an impact with that, with that 10 touches. And it can be distributed in, in any of four different ways, as we just talked about. So that's what you're looking at is the number of touches. Yeah. He could, he could play 18 plays and have 10 touches. Mm Mm-hmm. Which would be, I, you know, I, and then he's still not a huge part of the offense as far as number of plays, mm-hmm. but he can make a big impact because of his speed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I would love to see him get ten touches a, a game, and you know those bubble screens are are something that he could you know add uh, get forty yards after the catch with that amazing speed. So. I agree with some of the people in the chat room who have said that Velas has almost been hidden. You know, you don't want to display what he can do. And as you said, and we've all been learning more and more that all it's practice that these coaches value more than the preseason games, um, the production and, and practice, and they forecast what players can do and, and, and match them up against different schemes and different defenders should be an interesting chess match on Sunday for, uh, for these players. Would like to talk about the running back room. Uh, everyone is super high on David Montgomery. He should have an incredible season. Khalil Herbert is his backup. Um, who is the third guy on this? Uh, Trustin Ebner. Trustin. Wow, what amazing that he beat out Darrington Evans, who I thought was a key pickup during the offseason. Uh, you think Evans will see much playing time? Yeah, and, and he could be the number one kickoff return guy. Mm. It wouldn't shock me. And it's, it's not taking anything away from, from Bayless. It's that he's pretty good at that thing himself. Mm-hmm. You know, he's had a few returns in college for touchdowns. He's a very good open field runner. I'll tell you what surprised me about him in, in uh, preseason was when you look at tape at Texas Tech, you know, I thought he was av- – you get him in space, he was great, and he catches the ball really well. You can put him out in the slot. He runs good routes, very good kick return guy. Guy can run like a deer. But his inside running was a lot better in the preseason than I'd given him credit for. 
Mm-hmm. You know, he gets he gets under his pads and he uh, is able to break some tackles and make some yardage after contact. So he's he's got some toughness to him. Mm. One of the interesting aspects of this roster is that Jake Tongs, the uh, rookie undrafted uh, 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 player, and uh, who, who he's surprised that he made the team. And they have another fullback on the roster, and that is Kerry Blassengame, uh, who c- comes with a great pedigree. Uh, these guys will probably be used more as U-backs. Uh, tell us about that. I'm, I'm guessing when I say U-back. Well, I, I'm going to guess that one's going to be inactive. Okay. During a game. Now, you brought in the new guy. They got off of waivers from the Jets. Mm-hmm. He could be the guy who's inactive this week, mm-hmm. even as, as strong as a blocker as he is. But it depends how, how quickly he can pick up Excuse me. Pick up the offense. Mm-hmm. Tongas is is an interesting guy. I mean, number one, he never played fullback before. He was a tight end at Cal. Mm-hmm. And you go back and you look at the Cal tape. He's pretty good tight end. Mm-hmm. He, he runs well. He catches well. He got a large receiving radius. Uh, but he showed that you know he's got the flexibility to get low and get underneath people as a lead blocker and the toughness to be the lead blocker on some of that ISO stuff as the fullback. Um, So to me, he's a, you know, when they announced the initial squads had two tight ends and two fullbacks. No, Tongas was your third tight end. Mm -hmm. He's a combo player. Right. Okay. So, uh, and he's smart enough to Cal, I guess, pretty good school. Got a good reputation. So, (laughs) So, you know, he got through there. He's smart enough to be able to learn the fullback position and that F back in this offense there. I think they're referred to as the F, um, you know, position. So I, I think, that, uh, you know, he's a valuable addition. Now, whether he, he's going to be active this week or the other guy is going to be active, we'll find that out on Sunday. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk a little bit about the defense now. Nomad had a question. He's Armand Watts. He screams three-tech to him. Uh, just wondering what you think about Watts seeing some action at the three-tech. I think you can play either, but actually he was – last year's defense in Minnesota is similar to the Bears' defense this year. Not the exact same thing, but similar. And he was the nose. And they're really – the nose is a, is an improper term because they're really a one technique. Mm-hmm. Seldom do they line head up on the nose. Um, and he was playing nose again. They switched to a three, four, and he was playing both the nose and as a five technique in their new scheme now. And he's not, I, I don't see him. He's big enough to be a, a two gapper in that type of a scheme. And he's tough enough. But you go back and you look at, at uh, uh, last year's tape for Minnesota, he started only nine games, and he got that because of injury as a backup. Hell, he had like four and a half or five sacks in nine games. He's a pretty darn good interior pass rusher. But I think – and, and Flus was asked this, where are you going to play him? He said both positions. I think he is capable of playing both the one and the three. Okay. And and give you, you know, good effort and good play at, at both positions. And I think Blackson is the same way. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I uh, uh, there's been a lot of talk uh, uh, from fans in Minnesota who were just shocked that uh, Watts was released. Um, he had well, a- they picked, they made a trade with with De- uh, with Houston, right, right, to get a guy, and then they cut him, another defensive lineman, mm-hmm. and then they cut him, cut Watts to uh, make room for this guy. Mm, okay, um, and also let's let's keep stay on that Minnesota's different. Minnesota gives up a draft choice to bring in Rieger, who has been a bust in Philadelphia, Mm -hmm. former first-round pick, and then they cut Smith-Marset. I tell you right now, Smith-Marset's a better player Hmm. than Rieger. So the the Bears came out ahead on that. Wow, that's encouraging. Um, Glad to hear that. Yeah, I had my eye on Rieger. but uh, if you're you're saying we we came out ahead on that, I'm I'm buying. There's no question he can run, but he's mm-hmm. not a good football player. Right, right. Interesting. Um, what else on the defensive line is catching your eye with this roster of players? Um, you know, I I'm intrigued by these outside pass rushers having uh, Mohammed and Quinn starting a game one uh, should provide a. A, a fantastic pass rush on this rookie quarterback. I mean, let's just say it. Trey Lance is a, is a rookie, uh, and his lack of uh, playing time over the last what three years now uh, makes no. This, this is he's the same class as Justin Fields, right? But he he played how many snaps last season? So that's why I sort of consider him officially a rookie, right? Um, and he didn't play his his last year. Of, yeah, one one game is last year at game. North Dakota State. So um, these pass rushers uh, and the scheme that Eberflus and Williams will will come up with should disrupt uh, Lance considerably. This could be a really low-scoring game Sunday, huh? Uh, I, I'm going to say it right now. Bears are going to win this game. Ooh, I like that. I, I, I thought that for weeks. I, I don't think Lance is ready. Trey Lance may be a great quarterback. But I, I go back, and, and I think we've talked about this in the past. I, I called up Daniel Jeremiah last year, probably in March. It was after the combine. Mm-hmm. And, and I go, what's the big deal with Lance? I mean, I couldn't see it on tick, you know, and mm-hmm. I said, and he says, it's what everybody thinks he can be. Yeah, yeah. And I said, okay, well, that's fine. You don't take that guy in the first round. But he, you know, I said, I just don't get it. And that's my old school. Yeah. You know, and I've said this before, so I'm, I'm, I'm repeating it, but, and I'm brought up by Parcells. And that old school thinking was you wanted a quarterback to have eight or 900 throwing reps mm-hmm. attempts. Mm-hmm. during the course of his career to be ready to play in the National Football League. Mm-hmm. Well, hell, this guy had 300. You know, and, and then only played one game mm-hmm. his his final year, which would have been his junior year, at North Dakota State. And it's like, and he's ready. It, it's not like he's jumping one level. Mm-hmm. He's jumping three levels. Yeah, exactly. I agree with Free Palestine that uh, every year the quarterbacks get overvalued. That's that's the trend in drafting over the last 10 years or so. Uh, guys who, you know, um, years ago would have been third-round 
draft picks are now being chosen in the late first round. Uh, it's it's incredible. Right. Hell, this guy was the third pick in the draft. Mm. You know, and 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 San Francisco gave up the the farm to get him. Yeah, unbelievable. And and it may turn out to be a good pick. I just don't think he's ready. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the guy who got screwed over on, on that end is is Garoppolo. Mm-hmm. And and I tell you, my take on this Garoppolo thing, you know, they're trying to make it sound like, well, you know, they couldn't find the right fit for a trade and everything. Bullshit. I think they saw that Lance isn't ready, and they are really trying to swim up river if he does falter the way he probably will, and they got to have somebody be able to come in and play. Mm-hmm. Jimmy says that Davis Mills is a better quarterback than Lance right now, and I, I have to agree with that. The third-round draft pick, Davis Mills of the Texans, he's, he's been very impressive with what he's done in his uh, short time. Well, you know, he was a starter for a good part of his rookie year, comes from Stanford. That mm-hmm. Stanford system is a very pro-friendly system. Mm-hmm. And uh, Pep Hamilton, who was the offensive coordinator, worked in that Stanford system for a long time. He was, he was um, uh, Andrew Luck's coach at, at Stanford. Mm-hmm. And then he was the offensive coordinator for Andrew Luck for his first few years in the league even at, at the Colts. And, and so, you know, they've got – this guy in in, in um, Houston doing a lot of the same things he was doing in college. Now, Pep has changed that offense to a degree. It's mm-hmm. not the exact same thing he did in Indianapolis and then what was done at Stanford, but still there's familiarity there. And he's a smart kid. Mm-hmm. You know, do they have all the parts around him? You know, that remains to be seen. Well, I'll tell you, I think <laughs> – you know, just from the little I've seen and what I've read, I think Lovey so far is is doing a decent job down there. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree uh, with my man here, uh, Renewable, who says, I keep saying Flus is D, but shouldn't I be saying it's Williams' is D and Getz's offense? I agree. Flus is playing that CEO role, and uh, every time Williams has been asked about what – influence Eberflus has on the defense and basically the response has been he's giving me full reign you know we bounce ideas off of each other but this is Alan Williams's defense and I'm really really happy about that because I think more and more head coaches in the National Football League should play that CEO role and oversee the three coordinators the special teams defense and offense what's your opinion on that Greg well first of all I I disagree with you a little bit only because it still Flus's D Yes, Williams is running the D. Right. I guarantee you Flus is helping with the game plan. Mm-hmm. He's sitting in on both sides, mm-hmm. you know, in the meetings. And so he's – it's another set of eyes. And so he he's going to help with the game plan. Is he calling the defenses? No. Mm-hmm. But it's still his defense. It's what he put together. Where do Williams learn the defense? Well, from Flus. Yeah. Okay. So in, in that aspect, it's Flus's defense. Mm-hmm. Um, and what do you but, think about uh, Flus being that CEO coach and, and that trend? I, I want to say, I don't know if it's a trend, but the, the whole aspect of having your head coach being equally committed to all three phases of the game of football and not like a Matt Nagy, who was probably 75% focused on the offense. 
let's go like 95. <laughs> I said 75. That's a bad you, know, <laughs> you know, I, I think part of it is, especially this year, is because he's been his entire NFL career a you know a defensive coach, mm-hmm. is that he wants to get into the heads of the offense so he can really learn more. Mm-hmm. You know, and then and, and he said an interesting thing, and I agree with it wholeheartedly. He said, you know, you're you're looking at you're looking at tape at how to attack the defense, and he's a defensive specialist, mm-hmm. so he can say, and he knows defense. Mm-hmm. If I'm attacking this, I know this is what the weaknesses of this defense is. He can tell you that better than the offensive coaches probably can tell themselves mm-hmm. so from that aspect that's pretty that helps and th- that he's he's helping on both sides you just hope he doesn't try to do too much mm-hmm. you know there's some coaches that don't let their coaches coach and they overcoach. from what we've seen so far i think he's letting his guys you know do the coaching he he has his input as he should, he's the head coach, but he pretty much lets them do what they want. But they, there's there's always discussion, and don't think there isn't. Mm-hmm. You know, everything is thoroughly talked out. Yeah. Um, all right, I want to move on and talk about the linebackers who are now on the 53 man roster. Of course, Roquan Smith. I anticipate he's going to have a uh, All Pro type of season. Whether he makes the All Pro or not, of course, we we won't know. But Till then, he, didn't, he, he was second team all pro last year, but didn't make the Pro Bowl. <laughs> Tell me why. Tell me why how that happens. <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> um, Matthew Adams, uh, Nicholas Morrow, Jack Sanborn. Congratulations, Jack. Uh, Roquan, as I mentioned, and then the new guy, uh, Sterling Weatherf- uh, Weatherford, uh, the five linebackers on the website uh, that has th- that contains the roster. What are your thoughts about, about this linebacker crew? Well, I, I, you know, I was, didn't like losing my man, Caleb. Uh, yeah. The guy just makes plays. Yeah. I don't understand why, why that happened. Well, somebody had to go, but this Weatherford, mm-hmm. the boy can play. Excellent. You know, and, uh, and there's no question about it. Very, very instinctive. Now this guy is taking the route of, and he's, and I'm not putting him in the same category, mm-hmm. but the Brian Erlacher route, in that he was a safety, and a lot of times a box safety for Miami of Ohio, mm-hmm. and a good sized kid. He played, you know, two fifteen to two twenty last year at Miami. He's about two and a quarter right now. He was 224 at his pro day, runs a 4.60, really explosive jumps, his change of direction. I think he ran a sub or a seven or a seven flat three cone, which for a big guy is really, really good. Mm. Uh, so, you know, he still got that DB athleticism with that linebacker toughness, but you go back and you look at the at the Colts preseason uh, tape, and he was playing Will and Mike for the Colts mm-hmm. uh, during the preseason. And 
it didn't look like he was brand new to the position. Mm-hmm. He was like really instinctive. Ballard was pissed when they lost him. And he's probably pissed that he put him up, you know, tried to sneak him through waivers and you got to, and that happens. You know, everybody's watching the other guys films because there's guys you like, mm-hmm. you know, and you want to see how they do. So, and, and he publicly said, uh, we made a mistake cutting him. And I, it really upsets me that we lost him. Wow. Wow. All right. Um, you know, before we, we talked DBs, a uh, question came up uh, regarding the surprises. And we've talked about this before. The 49ers have really no tape at all to help with their coaching and what they can anticipate to see from the offense and the defense. I mean, they have not seen Roquan Smith uh, play in the, under this new defense. How big of an advantage is that for the for the Bears? Well, th- what they will do, what San Francisco will do, is they're uh-huh. going to go back and, and in order to game plan against the Bears for their uh, offensive game plan, they are going to watch Indianapolis tape from mm-hmm. last year and, and go off of those tendencies because pretty much the whole defensive staff came from Indy. Mm-hmm. And so that's what they're going to use. But, you know, Al Williams is going to put his own touch on onto this defense. Mm-hmm. So is he going to call things? Are, are the tendencies that Flus had in certain down and distance situations going to be the same that Williams has when he calls the defense? Mm-hmm. So that's advantage bears right there because they, they just, they're got San Francisco's guessing. It, it's really the same for the Bears' offense. Mm-hmm. So they say, okay, Getsy came from Green Bay, so it's going to be similar to what Green Bay does, but he's got a more athletic quarterback, albeit not the great future Hall of Famer because mm-hmm. we just don't know you know, what, what Fields is going to be. So is Getsy going to call plays like LaFleur called plays? Mm-hmm. Well, who the hell knows? <laughs> we don't even know that. And he didn't do anything in the preseason. Like, like uh, Moody said, yeah, we use four pass plays all preseason, just about, you know, so it, it's that part's always an advantage when you got a new coaching staff because you have no history yeah. and it's going to take on well, next week, you play green Bay. Now, obviously LaFleur knows Getsy, but does he know him? as far as how as he thinks when it comes to putting a game plan together. And because Getsy as the quarterback coach in Green Bay was part of the system, mm-hmm. but not the decision maker mm-hmm. within that system. Because LaFleur, even though he didn't have the title offensive coordinator, he's the offensive coordinator. Right. You know, right. same like Nagy here. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it, it's, it's just going to be interesting. It's going to take teams – I'm going to say three games Mm -hmm. to really get a feel of how these guys call games. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What what to expect. And then, then you get into tendencies. When you get into the last half of the season, then they're going to have a lot of those tendencies down. Mm -hmm. All right. I want to uh, turn our attention to the defensive backs who are on the squad. And and the one player I, I really would love for you to comment on is cornerback, Lamar Jackson. 
I think this guy could be a huge surprise. And I know we've gotten a lot of questions in the chat room about what your confidence level is in Kindle Vildor. Seems to me like those guys might be battling for uh, for playing time. Um, your thoughts on that cornerback position and uh, Lamar Jackson overall? Uh, you know, I didn't know much about Jackson before this year. He played for the Jets. Mm-hmm. Uh, earned the starting role, had played up and down, mm-hmm. but you know the Jets were up and down. I mean, so can you put everything on uh, on Lamar Jackson? And now we go back to Vildor. Vildor was a villain within the the, the defense last year. Yes, and, and you know I stood up for the guy. I, I I know what I saw in college tape, so I know what he did in college. Mm-hmm. And I like Vildor. And I think from everything I've heard, the coaches like Vildor. Mm-hmm. Now, what I don't know, who the hell is going to be the starter? Now, San Francisco, being that offense they are, they're probably going to be playing three wides 85% of the time. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, it's, you know, I think – um, the rookie is going to be inside playing the slot, mm-hmm. and either Vildor or Jackson is going to be the starter on the outside. Interesting. So you think that there? It's it's likely that Gordon will be moved into that slot nickel position. Uh, well, that's, game that's what it seems to be, <clears throat> um, and and that's a very important position. Even though you're a quote the third corner, you're a starter. Mm-hmm. You know, you're paying 85% of the snaps, maybe 90% of the snaps. You, you look at a team like Buffalo, Buffalo never played with three linebackers all last year. I mean, it might have been like 98% two linebackers. And the Bears, that's what the league's going to. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it's your will and your mic. And Sam is like a dinosaur mm-hmm. in, in your 4-3 front. So it, it's because of what the offenses are doing, you got to play with three corners and often play with, with six defensive backs. And that six defensive back is more of a safety type that can play that linebacker role because he's replacing one of the linebackers. Mm -hmm. If, uh, is Tavon young, uh, eligible for return, Greg, I don't recall what happened there, whether he was dropped, he was put on IR, what his situation. I think he's done. Okay. So that didn't work out, unfortunately, because that guy can play and he can play a nickel, but, uh, yeah, but he's had in in, in fairness, although he's the last three years he's had injury problems. And I think, you know, now, uh, Thomas Graham can mm-hmm. come back. Mm-hmm. You know, he's on the practice squad. Yes. That that whole thing with Thomas Graham is interesting because he had a hamstring problem. And hamstrings, if you've got a bad hammy, that can take a long time. Mm-hmm. And obviously this has taken a long time because it's been like all preseason. Mm. Now, theoretically, they could have put him on on IR before and ended a season or whatever he, or they could have, uh, they waived him regular. Mm-hmm. Now I think from a standpoint of, 
and I'm, I'm throwing a dart at the wall here. Mm-hmm. I guarantee. It. But if he was technically still not ready to go, he would have had to been waived injured, and then he would have reverted to injured reserve if nobody claimed him, and then he would have been out for the season. This way, they they just waived him regular. Mm-hmm. He's got no tape from the preseason. He was a late round pick the year before. He really only had one to two games last year. So the chances of anybody claiming him were slim. Mm. And that's what they did. There was a gamble. Um, but is he still a hundred percent? Probably not, but he's going to get a chance to get up to speed mm-hmm. and, um, get ready to play while he's on the practice squad. And when he's on the practice squad, you know, he's, he's getting a lot of practice time because you're being the, um, the scout team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matthew says that, uh, oh, oh, excuse me. Let me go to who was it? J rock said that uh, Tavon is listed on IR on the bears website, but that only mean, but he was placed on IR before cutdowns. Right. So that makes him oh, ineligible. Yeah, ineligible to return. Exactly. Unlike somebody who was placed on IR after the cutdowns, like yeah. The- let me let me switch over here. I'll still be on here, but I can look at the. Uh, I think on IR that can come back uh, is uh, and Keel Harry. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and that's it. Ty J Sharp was put down mm-hmm. before. Tavon Young was put down before. Yeah, too bad about Sharp. I had high expectations for him, especially after the good outing he had in that second preseason game. Yep. Um, then, uh, then Matthew asked the question: Do you expect Jalen Johnson to be following around the number one wide receiver like he did for a number of games last season? That seemed to be a good strategy based on what you know about this defense. Is that something that they did before in Indianapolis where they would put their top corner uh, tracking the number one wide receiver from the other team? I I don't have the answer to that. I don't know if they're going to be putting Jalen on number one or it's going to be strictly left and right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure they know what they're going to do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but gonna be know, it's, just gonna, it, it's just gonna. We're, we're gonna have to play that one out. I, I think if they got confidence in both corners, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. It. it, it w- one of the things that I'm most uh, intrigued about this first game is there's so many unanswered questions, and so we're gonna look at things like that. How is the defense going to? behave with uh, against starting wide receivers. You know, so many different storylines. It's going to make for a very, very intriguing uh, game and and one that I'm going to love uh, evaluating with you a week from today. Um, no, well, not. it's going to be a week from tomorrow. A week from tomorrow. Oh, wait a minute. Today is Tuesday. I keep thinking today is Monday. A week <laughs> from today. You want, you want to tell people why, uh, why uh, no, you're – Got to have another little surgery on Monday. Yeah. And I'll be out Monday night, Monday yeah. afternoon, something like that. Wish, wish uh, everybody wish Greg well, but uh, I can tell you because he's uh, shared with me, it's not a big deal, but it's something that has to be done so that it doesn't become a big deal. So, um, all right, some more questions here. Um, let's see. What do you think about this Bears uh, defense? Are they going to blitz more than perhaps Indianapolis did last season? It seems to me like they every NFL team now loves to get that 
pass rush, that four-man pass rush to generate action and avoid having to blitz. But do you figure, like, for instance, game one against Trey Lance, given his inexperience at at football, do you have a gut feel that perhaps they're going to blitz a lot more? You know, I I don't know. um, They did blitz a little bit in the preseason, Mm -hmm. but not very much. Um, And, again, San Francisco is going to go back to see what the tendencies were from – Indianapolis a year ago. Now, mm-hmm. in saying that, their big linebacker in Indianapolis st- had like five sacks last year mm-hmm. from blitzes. Now, you can blitz them five times and get five sacks, and so that means he didn't blitz very much. You know, I, I I don't know the exact frequency he has. They're, they're going to um, blitz some, but I think it's... it's w- you know, can you do some overload things or whatever? Yeah. You know, how exactly they're going to do it, I don't know. And the main reason being is we didn't see anything except pretty basic football in the preseason. Mm-hmm. There's one play we talked about, I think, last week in the second preseason game. You know, Jones was playing the three technique, and they dropped him in the coverage on one play. Mm-hmm. And, and I think they did it for one reason or one reason only. Be aware, we can do this. Mm-hmm. And, and now you got to prepare for it, you know, from the, from the offensive side. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Michael Halitak, uh, about an hour ago, posted this question. Uh, aside from the obvious, uh, Justin Fields, uh, Mooney, Monty, and Komet, who do you think are a couple of guys or maybe one guy on this offense that could be really big uh, and steady contributors to this Bears offense? I think EQ and and Pringle. Yeah. And I think Bayless too, but I think one out of EQ and Pringle is going to have a pretty good year. Mm-hmm. And and I lean only because Pringle's been hurt mm-hmm. the entire preseason. I kind of lean towards EQ, but um, I, I, I'm just going to say right now, I think this receiver core is a lot better than the national media gives it credit for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm I'm with you on that, and I got to tell you, based on the practices that I saw, I am just so uh, hopeful that uh, Equinemia St. Brown can continue that progress that he has shown. I mean, he knows this offense, and Justin Fields has said it. His precision route running is just fantastic, and Justin has already a lot of confidence in Equinemia St. Brown. He did have a little trouble holding on to the football after a couple of hard hits, so that's something to keep an eye on. But, you know, uh, Greg has been uh, a champion of the Equinemia St. Brown signing, and it's bearing it bared out uh, in those practices, and so hopefully in game one we'll see him. Uh, uh, well, I'm, I'm going to go back, and I've said it a number of times. Mm-hmm. He's got more raw talent than his brother. Younger brother who plays for Detroit. Right. I'm on. He's bigger, faster, stronger, more explosive all across the board. Uh, his brother had 90 receptions last year as a rookie, he only averaged about 10 yards a catch. So he's a short range receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you got bragging rights within the family going on here. Yep. <laughs> That's and, 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 and so, you know, how many people think about that? I don't know. I do. Mm-hmm. I, little stuff like that, I'm always thinking about. Okay, okay, my little brother really put up some big numbers. 
I, I, I got to, I got to do a lot more this year just to catch up. And then I got to surpass them. So yeah. you get, you know how competitiveness people are. Okay. And, and, and that family is extremely competitive. That's, that's verified. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think being that they're both in the same division, that it could be kind of interesting what, what happens with him. Mm-hmm. And Cornelius is spot on. EQ is a fantastic downfield blocker, and that's going to really help this. Uh, whoever is the ball carrier is, whether it's a running back or somebody catching a pass, uh, it's going to be outstanding to see him block downfield. Another question. Um, well, I, got, I got a question. How come nobody's pissing and moaning about Kometa anymore? <laughs> i uh i'm with you on that one uh my good friend dan aguirre who we do a show on tuesday nights in tomorrow room he has been so upset and complaining so much about cole Komet, and i think this year cole Komet is going to shut him up he's already shut him up <laughs> as far as i'm concerned so yeah anyone out there who have a uh, a beef with cole Komet, uh listed in the chat room so that we can fire away at you <laughs> I love that. Um, what great question from Danger T. What is the one position you think that the Bears need to address that you wish they could fill? You know, I know you've talked a lot about that three tech, and uh, there was another question about where, where is your. This is one from Fochizi. Says, are you worried about the three tech, or you know, they, they better draft one next year? But back to Danger T's. Three tech or whatever position, uh, what what concerns you the most? Probably defensive tackle only, and, and some of that in the third preseason game. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I felt a little better. Jones didn't play a lot, but he did. He got he did what a three tech in this defense is supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He he got penetration. He was disruptive. Um, you know, he made some plays. Who knows what Watt's going to do within this scheme? You know, so I, I think the defensive tackle play as a whole mm-hmm. is the biggest unknown. But the defense as a whole in the preseason played really, really well. Mm-hmm. There's two things that really impressed me in the preseason. The de- one is the defense, how they played, and two is how disciplined this team was. Mm-hmm. I think they had 13 penalties or something for the whole preseason, mm-hmm. and, and most teams have 13 penalties in one game in a preseason. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, and and I may be off by one or two, but I mean, so sure. what? Yeah. Very rare. And, and in the last preseason game, running in the second life, the starters, the main group, first half, one penalty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing when you, you get all these different players from different organizations and how quickly they've instilled that discipline to them is is remarkable. Let's hope it carries on into the regular season. All right, uh, next question. Uh, what uh, this is a really interesting question from Victor De Jesus. What is the Sam linebacker job description in this Bears defense? Water boy. <laughs> Stay, stay ready for uh, for in, in case of return. The Sam played the Sam played in the preseason. Now it ends. <laughs> Not going to get a in lot. Fact, of I was watching it. There was uh, actually the Sam. I'm going to say the Sam was in there, and I don't have the exact percentage, but I'm going to say 50 percent of the downs in the preseason. 
Mm-hmm. And now you go back to Indy, and Indy was like 85% two linebackers last year. Yeah. yeah. And Flusa said that the, the Sam has got to be able to play the other two positions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it seems like uh, uh, linebackers in, in college football, if they're playing that Sam position, they may want to talk to their defensive coordinator and say, get me out of here, man. <laughs> There's no future in the NFL for the Sam linebacker. Uh, they can't make uh, tens of millions of dollars if you're not on the field. Um, great, great, great question from Chris Watts because I was um, afraid I was going to forget uh, your thoughts about the retirement of Ted Phillips, a guy who has gotten a lot of heat over the years from Chicago Bears fans. I know you know Ted very well. Uh, you guys have a, a good relationship. What are your thoughts about uh, I, Ted? It will be out a little later today. I wrote about it uh, for the Windy, Windy City uh, Gridiron. Awesome. Um, it's kind of hard for me to write because I, I, there's things I didn't want to say, things I wanted to say. Mm -hmm. Number one, I like Ted and number two, the perception, and this should be number one, the perception of Ted Phillips that the media and the fans have is 100% wrong. You know, Ted's job is not, now, yeah, you can put some of the hires on him, but his job is not the football team. Mm-hmm. His job is to run a multi-billion dollar enterprise. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it was, you know, 1999, he takes over for Michael McCaskey as president of the team. And the first thing on his plate is to get Soldier Field redone. Mm-hmm. And that alone was a tough job. I mean, you've lived here all your life. You know what Chicago politics are like. Oh, yeah. And what, what, what Ted wanted to do and what they ended up doing were two different things. I read a thing the other day. And I did, we came in two years after that. So we, they were just waiting for the season then to, you know, start tearing down the interior part of Soldier Field. Mm which literally started three hours after that playoff game. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but, you know, dealing with the politicians, getting that stadium done, getting it done in a very timely manner. Um, that's all, that was all Ted Phillips and, and, and having to deal with Chicago politics, which is tough for anybody. Mm-hmm. And it, but it's not just that. You know, when I came into the league full-time, I came into the league in 81, but 84 full-time, the number of hires, your front office, your marketing, your marketing and salespeople were nil. Mm -hmm. Maybe one person. And now it's, that's an enormous part of your workforce, not just for the Chicago bears, for every team in the national football league. Mm-hmm. And, and this all goes back to, you know, when Jerry Jones bought the Cowboys, he taught the rest of the league, the value of marketing and sponsorships. They just let football sell, sell itself mm-hmm. before. And then he came in, Hey guys, there's a lot of money to be made out there. Let me show you how to do it. Now, you know, Jerry Jones can be vilified and 
people can laugh at him, whatever. But if it's not for Jerry Jones, these teams aren't worth the billions and billions of dollars that they're worth right now. I agree. Okay, when, when, when Ted Phillips took over that team, mm-hmm. I don't know the exact figure, but it was between somewhere between $300 million and $400 million max mm-hmm. the value of that team. Forbes just came out with the estimated value of the Chicago Bears today is $5.8 billion. Wow. Okay, so it's 23 years later. Mm-hmm. And, and that's probably undervalued because it's in Chicago. It's probably north of, of $6 billion. Mm-hmm. Now, when this new stadium gets built, by the way, are you going to that uh, – same Thursday night? I would love to go. Yeah, it, it's interesting. Somebody somebody said it, they're, they're holding at the same time the Bills and Rams are playing, uh, but that's not why I'm going. I have a well, couple. No, it's, of, it's at 5 or 5.30. 5.30, I think the meeting is. No, I think I, I do think that the doors open at 5. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, but I do have a couple of shows uh, to do that night, so I'll be working on that. Um, but I'm going to be reading every newspaper article, everything that said, uh, hopefully there's a transcript or a video version of it, because I'd love to uh, see how they handle some of the concerns that the residents have uh, about building it in, in Arlington Heights. And the biggest concern, of course, is taxes. What's it going to do to my taxes, my property taxes and stuff? So uh, we'll, uh, I'll be following that closely. In, uh, in well, they're not going to tell you anything about stadium design and all that it's right. it's going to be here's what we want to do with the property right to put the stadium here and there's going to be a casino over here and a mm-hmm. hotel and all you know what what the general plan is so mm-hmm. and, and that that's really all you need to know right now not what it's going to actually look like but it, to getting back to ted mm-hmm. this whole thing in arlington heights is ted phillips yeah Okay, he he put that together. So the number my my office was right across the hall from Ted's, mm-hmm. and from eight until five, he's in meetings every freaking day, just about with different people from different parts of the organization that he oversees. So to blame him on the football side i i i get the part well he hired so-and-so mm-hmm. okay yeah i agree that part's on him did he make some mistakes sure um did he hire uh ryan pace and and maggie well well i'll put it this way ryan pace and john fox no ernie of course he did ernie of course he was brought in with the league's recommendation Mm-hmm. And they had done this with, with other clubs, too, where they have people like uh, Ernie who uh, are supposedly experts in the field now and, and, and can uh, take people through the interview process, et cetera, and, and come up with good names for the hiring. It was Ernie who settled on Ryan Pace, and it was Ernie who basically told Ryan Pace he's hiring John Fox mm-hmm. because Ryan Pace was, was going to be a rookie GM. Um, then as, as far when, when Fox didn't work out and, and they brought in uh, Matt Nagy, that was more Ryan Pace. Ted was involved. George was involved, but it was still 
more Ryan mm-hmm. on that. But as the overseer of the organization, yeah, it, it, it falls on Ted. But I'm just saying that the um, treatment or villainous type picture that people paint of, of, of Ted Phillips is totally wrong. Mm-hmm. His job is to increase the value of that franchise. Mm-hmm. And he has done that very, very successfully. Yeah, you know, you really want to win championships, but if you're the McCaskey-Hallis family, uh, the fact that you're now swimming in dough, uh, and a lot of it is due to the hard work of Ted Phillips, uh, you got to be pretty happy, and that's one reason they they were... Well, here's a question I asked people. I did it on Twitter Mm -hmm. last, last week. You can probably name most of the GMs and head coaches in the league, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. Just yep. your memory. Yep. How many team presidents can you name? Yep. I, saw I bet th- you can't come up with five. I, I saw you post that, and I, I actually went on the uh, uh, on team's different websites to learn some of the names, and I've forgotten them all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's, a very, <laughs> it's a very important job. Yeah. But in most cases, it, it's – you know, not in front of the media. It is here. Right. Because they, they I keep using the word vilify because they want to vilify mm-hmm. anybody they can, anybody they can point a gun at, they want to do it here. Right. Well, and the thing is, you know, to answer your question is that most of the people who are the team presidents are not football people. Somebody said Ted came from the IRS. No, he did not come from the IRS. <laughs> that was a joke. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they're not football people who usually have that job. It's like you have been saying, you know, since uh, since the start of the year when the Bears were looking to replace uh, Ryan Pace at the GM position and people were crying for somebody for polls to report to, to have another uh, football person there, you you were saying, well, why? Why is that necessary? You're just adding another level uh, of football decision-making. It's good to have somebody to bounce stuff off, but how many people do you need? Polls right now has Ian Cunningham. He himself brought Ian Cunningham out so that they can... And, and Ian Cunningham is very capable of being a general manager himself. Exactly. And, and probably yep. will be. Yep. In the near future, and if that in fact happens in the near future, the Bears will get two third-round picks. Exactly, compensatory so picks. So um, it, it's you got to have a businessman. I, I, right. I forgot the guy's name, um, the, the agent. That's the name everybody keeps throwing in. Former, Trace, Trace, Ar- Trace Armstrong, Armstrong, former Bears player. Trace Armstrong can't do that job. Mm-hmm. Trace Armstrong is another football guy. Yeah, he's an agent, but he's a football guy. Right. You think Trace Armstrong can build this complex out now in Arlington? Mm-hmm. No. Do you think he could have redid uh, Soldier Field? No. Mm-hmm. Not his expertise. He's not a businessman. Yeah. And and that's where you've got to to separate the two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you. There needs to be somebody who is 100% focused on the economics of the team, the financial health of the team. If you're going to give that person responsibilities to talk football with the GM, then you're risking you know, uh, maximizing 
uh, the dollars you're going to earn. And from a, a, a business ownership perspective, that doesn't make a lot of sense. You know, if, if you want Ryan Poles to have somebody to bounce stuff off of, he should have his assistant GM. He should, you know, rely on the football people for that. But you need a money man, and, uh, and even that money man needs a staff to, to run an operation like a multi-billion dollar operation like the Chicago Bears. Um, any thoughts on who would be a successor? A lot of people are uh, asking about uh, Cliff Stein. Um, uh, that's the prominent name that's coming up. Of course, Trace Armstrong's name came up a little bit in the chat. But what are your thoughts of perhaps Cliff Stein, somebody you know well, uh, of perhaps assuming that role? Well, Dan Pompey is the guy who broke this story. Mm-hmm late last week. And, and Dan had two names, one of which is, is Cliff. And the other one was Scott Hagel. Uh, and Hagel's got a, a master's in business from Northwestern. He's a bright guy, but his primary, Scott's not a businessman. And his primary expertise is, is public relations, media relations, etc. Um, they are hiring a search firm to go to look outside. Right. Uh, but Cliff has been here now 20 years. He came in January, 2002. We came in. So he came in like six, seven months after we came in, mm-hmm. you know, we, we brought Cliff in and he was an agent at the time and he's an attorney and he's a damn good attorney. And he is now the, the bears general counsel. Mm-hmm. So, in that role as being general counsel, he's involved with a lot of things, if not everything, from a legal point of view, that Ted's involved with. Mm-hmm. You know, so he's got a lot of experience in a lot of these areas mm-hmm. because he's already been part of it. He's sat in those meetings. Um, yeah, I would think that the odds on favorite would be Cliff, but that final decision is going to be, you know, they'll, they'll rely on the search firm to get them names, but the final decision and then Ted may play into that too. I don't know if he will or he won't. And Ted may stay on it, it, You probably read. He said, if they, we haven't talked about it yet, but if they asked me to stay on as a consultant for the stadium, where he has expertise doing that, um, they may, um, you know, they may well do that. And I think they will, that Ted will be involved somehow as a consultant until this project is well off the ground, Mm. maybe not until completion, Mm. but at least, you know, close to it. And then, uh, uh, I, I personally, cause Mm. I know Cliff well, I think he'd be an excellent choice. Mm -hmm. Um, He's a really good guy to deal with. Very, very smart, very astute. Uh, but again, they could bring in somebody from outside. But if you bring in somebody from outside, then he's going to bring all his want all his own people in there. And then you could have changes in different areas within the organization. And is that good? Like you saw with the Broncos, they have got. It's almost like bringing in new ownership. They, they. they in the last couple of weeks, they've changed a whole lot. Nothing having to do with football operations, mm-hmm. but with business operations, they've changed a ton in that organization within the last couple of weeks. 
Do you uh, know uh, Jim Phillips? This name is coming up. Uh, Victor De Jesus offered it up, and Matthew Fochizi says, yeah, I've heard that name too, Jim Phillips. I, I don't know a Jim Phillips. Uh, Jim Phillips was the uh, – I've met Jim Phillips a few times. He's a good guy. He was the AD at Northwestern. Okay. And now he is the commissioner of the uh, ACC. Mm, okay. So, and right. so that's why there's local ties. He lived, in fact, mm. he lived directly of, uh, across the street from Mike Mulligan. Oh, okay. And uh, so, uh, in, you know, just north of the Northwestern Stadium, about mm -hmm. a 10 minute walk from the Northwestern Stadium. And, uh, you know, so I think that's why his name is brought up because of local ties. He was at Northwestern for a long time. Um, you know, whether he turns out to be the guy, I don't know whether he's even interviewed. That's a name that, you know, the, the media, put, you know, how the media always puts out and they're not criticizing right. the media here. They always put, okay, who's a logical guy. Right. And the, the first two names outside of, of Stein were, um, Trace Armstrong and, and Phillips. Okay. Um, I was listening to Hogan John's podcast and they talked about how Brian Poles is probably happy now because he is in, basically in control of all the football operations. So Ted Phillips out the door, he probably doesn't have to consult with Ted very much. He's, he's got to be happy. But J-Rock asked an interesting question. Do you think that a new president will come in and maybe give Ryan Poles a short leash because he might want to have his own GM and coach, uh, you're smiling already. Go ahead. <laughs> no, because you're forgetting one thing that happened when they hired Ryan. Aha! Uh -huh. They Good changed that. the report. They changed the reporting structure. Great point. And Great point. the general manager now reports to George McCaskey. Mm -hmm. yeah. And the head coach reports to George McCaskey. Mm -hmm. And so it, it's and, and Ted is the guy who went to George and said, "You know what?" We haven't had the greatest record the last few years. Let's let's flip this a little bit. Yeah. Maybe we'll have a little more success. Um, which is to me uh, the way to do it. Let's remove as many reporting structures as possible. You know, why have him report to Ted Phillips and then Ted reports to George McCaskey on it? So hopefully Ryan Poles is the right guy for the job, and all he is sharing with uh, George McCaskey is all the good news. Um, the stadium itself, as we talked uh, a few minutes ago, there is going to be a public meeting on Thursday. The, the Bears management is going to try to assure Arlington Heights that this is a win-win deal for everyone. But uh, there was a question, I think it was from Toreen, who said, is the NFL going to put up like uh, hundreds of millions of dollars to help with the construction of this stadium. Do you know anything at all about that? Because it's of great interest to me because I am a taxpayer here in Ellington Heights and I know my taxes are going up, but how much? And if the NFL is putting in $500 million or something like that, that would be more. Well, I, you know, that's, that's an interesting number because I, I don't know the exact number, mm -hmm. but there is a fund Mm -hmm. that the NFL uses for that purpose. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's technically a loan. Yeah. Uh, is it a forgiven loan? I couldn't, I don't know the answer to that. And, and I think, and I'm, I'm throwing a dart at the wall here, although so you mm -hmm. might want to do your research. I will. But it's, um, 
in the area of 400, 500 million dollars. Mm. Well, that would uh, that would help because uh, Ravi. The one question was: Do the McCaskies have the money? The right. team's worth five point eight million dollars on paper. They got mm. the freaking money. Yeah. Or, or, All you got to do is go to the bank and say, "I need such and such." Yeah, exactly. They they have access to the funds. There's no doubt about it. Uh, the challenge is going to be of all the sons and daughters who are on the board, are they going to be, you know, are, are they going to agree to access that money? Uh, well, but, now, now, when you look at the names on the board of directors, mm-hmm. the McCaskey names, mm-hmm. every single one of them, when and, and there was word out a couple of weeks ago that Virginia, you know, may be ill or, not feeling great. And if, if something, God forbid, happens to her, you know, what's going to happen to ownership, mm-hmm. the McCaskies that are on the board of directors, and it's not the whole family, it's part of the family. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing is going to change with them. I, I a hundred percent positive that could there be a assembly or two that, that may want to cash out, I mean, that, that's a possibility. We don't have the answer to that. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure these things are all thought out and, and solved before they ever happen. Right, right. You know, and, and I think some of this goes back. Ed McCaskey passed away when I was working there. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, a lot of this got taken care of then mm-hmm. or shortly thereafter. Okay, so if mom goes... What what's going on? They own eighty percent of the team. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what happens is, uh, are, are, is there something in place that if child number four wants to cash out, can they in fact cash out? And whatever, what the league doesn't want. And here's this is an interesting thing because it's relatively new within the league. Every team has to have on file with the league successor if something happens to the owner okay now virginia is the, the owner in name but i know when i worked for the for the giants and i'm sure it's the same way with the mccaskies wellington Merrill was the owner but every one of those kids already had a share of the team mm. was in the, you know the, the, the but the voting stock was dead and and those now they're all siblings. John Mayer's got the vote of all the other siblings, mm-hmm. but they each got a piece of the team when it comes to the value of the team. So you know, th- th- there's got to be some sort of uh, paper uh, agreement in writing that if if somebody wants to relinquish their rights, that the you know, the rest of the family will buy it up for X amount of dollars. Gotcha. All right. Let's close, excuse me. Let's close our show with uh, you. You mentioned early in the show that you really believe the bears are going to win this game against the 49ers as you, you know, all athletes visualize how this game is going to turn out. So paint a picture for me as to how the bears are going to win this game. And if you want to predict a score, a thereabout score, people in the chat room are already sending in their score predictions. Uh, but I want to know, I, w- I want to get, you know, a picture. I don't, know. I, I don't know if I can answer that. I'll tell you one, you know, before we got on, I looked at the forecast. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to rain. 
Ooh, nice for the Bears. 58% chance of rain. Mm. Um, you know, if it light, heavy, I don't know. It's hell, it's only Tuesday, and sure, the forecast will change four times, five times between now and Sunday. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, 58% chance of, of rain on Sunday, you know, this far out could be a hundred percent chance later in the week, or it could be 20%. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I think it'll be a relatively close game. I look for the defense to be very good and and give uh, Trey Lance a lot of problems. Mm -hmm. And then it, it's what this new offensive line could do against a, a pretty good defensive line of San Francisco from the offensive side. That's going to tell. And I'm sure they're, they're going to give – Wherever Bosa is lined up, being on the left side or the right side, you know they're going to have it set up that those guys that that Borum and and Braxton Jones are getting some help. Mm. Maybe not every play, but on some plays, either their back's going to stay in, or they're going to have a, a a lot of twelve personnel and use two tight ends and use uh, a tight end to chip on on Bosa first before they go off into the flat. Uh, that type of situation. But, you know, I, I, you go back to last year and the Bears lost the game in a game they very well should have won. Mm -hmm. And that was a bad Bears team. This team, this team is more disciplined. And I think the offense is going to be a thousand times better. Granted, this is going to be the first game, but you know, from what I've seen, I, I, you know, there's certain people on 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 Twitter that are saying save those receipts, <laughs> and I guarantee you they are because they're going to throw them out at these people, mm -hmm. uh, you know, within the next few weeks. Yeah, I agree with that. And boy, uh, we only got I think one prediction in the chat room for the 49er victory. Everybody is really high and has high expectations for a week one victory. I really hope that's the case. I do think that this is going to be one of those games where you are probably going to see a lot of running the ball. You're probably going to see a lot of bubble screens. And that's where hopefully we'll get explosive plays. But the great thing about bubble screens is you get those cornerbacks that come in closer and closer and closer, and then all of a sudden Valus Jones is behind you and is wide open for long scores. So I, 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 I'm hopeful that it'll be a 24 to 17 type of type of game. I do. I am a little bit worried about uh, the defense. Um, uh, the defense of the Bears only because this is their first game together. There's just been so many missing pieces in in uh, preseason. Well, if they so hadn't played, if they hadn't played so damn good in the offense, they might or in the preseason, they might have been with you. But uh -huh. they shut down everybody they played. In Very the true. Very true. So uh, we'll we'll see. And um, Greg, this has been so fantastic to get back together. We're approaching the 100-minute mark, so uh, a 100-minute show as the first one of the season, and we'll have plenty more. Greg and I might be back. If there's some uh, big breaking news this week prior to the game, we might be back. Oh, there's one, there's one thing we, we, we didn't talk about. Please, let's do it. Oh, we'll go, got more. Asameli. Oh, yes. Yes, I had that in my notes. Yes. Yeah, everybody. When are they going to sign him? I don't think they're going to sign him. 
and if they do, it won't be until after this week. Mm -hmm. um, but number one, you know, the, the, there's there's some connection he has with with Ryan Poles. The last time he played football was uh, two years ago in Kansas City. So, you know, Poles was there. So th there's a, a personal relationship between Poles and Asimeli. A uh, couple things, you know, you look for little things. He comes in here for a workout. The next day, mm -hmm. he puts up a video of him lifting, doing deadlifts. I'm ready. Hmm. Well, if the, if the Bears were going to sign him, what, why would he have to do that? Mm. Interesting. You know, and and I, I, I just think, you know, you bring in players usually one day a week. Mm -hmm. Most days it's Tuesday. Most times it's Tuesday. You bring in players. It's, it's to get your short list going. Get medicals on some people, mm -hmm. uh, whatever, and and just to see where they are, what type of condition they are, they're in. If they're uh, fits to play within this scheme, offensively and defensively. Like I said, Tuesdays are usually the day around the league that that's done. It doesn't have to be on Tuesday, but that's the predominant day around the league. Mm -hmm. I think this was a case of them doing due diligence. Uh, but from the standpoint of signing him, if they, in fact, did, I think they'd sign him to the practice squad, much like Dallas did mm -hmm. yesterday mm -hmm. uh, with the tackle was here last year. And, and then – you know, with Peters and then get him up to speed because if he is on the active roster, any veteran, any vested veteran on the active roster this Sunday, his salary is guaranteed for the whole year. Mm -hmm. Where if he comes in week two, it's week to week. There you go. So it makes a big difference. So why? And, and then last reason Bears are starting to get a little low on money. Yeah. And and last time I looked, they had a little over $7 million in cap space, and that was after um, assuming the contract of uh, the guy from the Raiders. Mm -hmm. And I was going to say Light, Lightfoot, but that's the mayor. Uh, Leatherwood. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you need to have – five, six million dollars in space just to get through the season, you're you're paying your practice squad close to four million dollars over the course of the season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so and and you gotta have money for injuries, that type of thing, or if you cut people and then you gotta uh, you know, somebody's not playing up to speed where you want them, and then you're going to take a cap hit because you got to cut them. All sorts of things. So it, it wouldn't shock me if you have another restructure go on mm -hmm. sometime in the next few weeks uh, uh, or change some bonus money to, or, or rather some salary to, to bonus money just to free up some cash space because you've got to have quite a large chunk of money just to operate. Mm-hmm. Would you be surprised if they, you know, uh, late in the season before that deadline of signing or extending contracts, which I think is usually around week 9, 10, 11, somewhere around there, would you be surprised if they extended contracts to players like 
uh, or a player like David Montgomery or maybe even Roquan Smith or, or some of the other guys who are on their last year contracts? Or do you think that this management team is probably going to wait till the end of the season? Uh, well, number one, you got to have the space to do it. Right. Okay. So if you have the space to do it and you are, you found yourself committed to the player, then yeah, why not do it? Mm-hmm. You know, um, but again, you've got to have the cap space available to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's a two way street. And like I said, the last time I looked, they had a little over 7 million mm-hmm. and that's, that gives you about a million, million and a half of cap space right now. Now that, some of that stuff could still change sure. depending on, on, on restructures and whatever. So I know next year there's going to be a lot of money available. You could theoretically make some deals with people mm-hmm. and not sign a deal until next year, mm-hmm. you know, until the, the, the new league year starts when that cap space is going to be available. Mm-hmm. But again, I mean, that's going to be up to Ryan Poles, Cliff and uh, Flues. Mm-hmm. All right, Greg. It's been fun. Anything else you want to share before we uh, lock the doors on this? Uh, I think this is like our hundredth episode together. I got to I got to look at the numbers, but uh, we've been doing this. Don't, for- don't I have an automatic um, escalator in my contract? Then <laughs> let me look at that. I'll have to get back to you on that. <laughs> I love it. I what love- do you got? A plate play by play sheet there or something? It looks like <laughs> right. it does is. it say does it say BU on the back? <laughs> this is my uh, handy senior bowl. Uh, I don't know why I still have that, but I'm <laughs> putting my notes on the back. I, I recycle paper all the time, so kind of kind of stretch every penny out. <laughs> Greg, you're the absolute best. Uh be uh, so complimentary of uh, that this is their favorite Bears uh, talk show, and oh, that's because you, you that's, Greg. That's uh, nice you're you're fantastic, and so again, we might be back later in the week if uh, news uh, allows. But uh, next Tuesday, uh, we will definitely do a show, and it will be a detailed look at the Bears' performance and look ahead for the other uh, 16 regular season games that they will have. And I'll, and I'll just put out the disclaimer right now. I might be mm-hmm. on painkiller, so I'm not going to be responsible for anything that comes out of my mouth next Tuesday. Ah, well, you did great today. You didn't swear uh, a single time. No, I swore a couple times. Well, did you? I missed it then. Yeah, yeah, no, I, a couple times, but not bad. Well, uh, next week under painkillers, we'll see how you react. Well, we'll, we'll see if I'm even on them. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what what the how painful this process will be. Other than when I think about it, it's painful. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Well, enjoy the drugs, and uh, we'll see you all next week. Uh, And, again, I want to say to everybody, uh, thank you for the well wishers on my mom. And uh, with that, I will – You know, every time I look at that picture, although I say – Where'd you come from? That's a, a good-looking lady now. <laughs> she was a gorgeous woman, and that's exactly how she wants to be remembered, uh, flaunting her uh, her curvy uh, hair and uh, curvy figure as well. <laughs> she was, she loved to pose for the camera. Good woman, and uh, thank you all again for your best wishes. We'll see you uh, next week. Bye bye. Bye bye.